Kane is in the building. <laughs> is getting nicer which means more events whether it's a wedding or a date liberty shirt co has you covered they're offering three shirts for 333 dollars now this may seem like a lot but this is essentially less money than what you would spend on gas in a month and the shirts will last a long time and don't forget to use promo code 3p at checkout to save 10 percent on all other orders that's promo code 3p at checkout you save 10 percent when you go to www libertyshirtco.com and welcome back it's another thursday night and we're recording once again season five episode 19 i'm your host Stephen benaza and once again i'm joined by my crew josh Ramowitz, alex castle and can't forget about a social media guy ah uh, tj you're trying to rush the gun a little bit i'll let you have it here you go and the many many hats tj hummel ah there we go that's what we like so yeah See about the full crew once again. No guests tonight. It's just going to be the boys just talking some pucks and, you know, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, some uh, hoops, you know, the NBA playoffs. Uh, you know, if we have more time, maybe we'll get a little into baseball, but the playoffs for each of uh, those two leagues are really picking up, so we want to spend some time there. Um, but, yeah, we've in the past few episodes, nice guests and really fun episodes, so we'll bring it kind of back uh, down to earth tonight, as I'll say. So, um so yeah, so let's let's get right into it. Uh, I guess we'll start off some pucks because I feel like we haven't talked to NHL in a bit, um, and usually we'll kind of fit it at the end. So let's let's get the NHL their fair uh, fame right now because their playoffs have been fun to watch, crazy, uh, especially the second round. It started a little bit later than the NBA playoffs, so they're around um, behind the NBA. But last night, crazy game between the Avalanche and the Blues. The Avs were up 3-1 at home, a chance to clinch to go to the Western Conference Finals. They were up, I believe, what, 3 nothing, Josh? 2-1. 2-1. I think uh, either way, it was a pretty big, big lead. And um, before you know oh, it, it, it in, the, in the series or in the game? In the game. I believe it was 3-1. I think it was 3-1, yeah. So... Um, yeah, so it was 3-1 abs at home with a chance to secure the win. And then they ended up blowing it. The Blues tie it. And then with like two minutes uh, left to go in the game, Nathan McKinnon pretty much single-handedly like made that play all by himself. He, you know, it was the puck was uh, in their end. He digged out a few guys, used his blazing speed did some crazy move and then scored a goal to put the abs up four three. And then like with, uh, and, and, and getting a big part of that. Why? That was his third goal of the night. That's a hat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that too. I, a, I natural, that. a natural hat trick. Nonetheless, I was getting to that. I just want to get more of a game recap. Cause I really, I didn't watch the full game. I watched that last like period and it was probably the best period I've seen. Uh, in the NHL playoffs so far, very back and forth. Um, yeah, so then pretty much with very little to go, the Blues pull their goalie, get the extra man on the ice, ended up scoring with like 
20 seconds or so left in the game. Tie 4-4, and then it goes into overtime. The Blues end up winning. So now we'll go back to St. Louis. They're behind a game. So I think it's 3-2 in the series. Um, so they can, you know, they have a chance now to tie it up at home. So what do we think of that game? Um, and promise I'll start off with you because you seem like you're itching, and plus you wanted to, you know, make sure I had talked about McKinnon's hat trick. So what yeah, you, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, so you're going to jump in because it's like, I think in general, these playoffs are not getting the recognition that they deserve because in my opinion, just be, watching all these games, I'm finding myself watching the hockey games more than I'm watching the NBA games because so far the NBA playoffs after the first round have been pretty pathetic to say the least. And we'll get into the more of that later. And there's a reason why we're starting off hockey first and then basketball later. It's because these hockey games have been very exciting. A lot of games going into overtime, a lot of back and forth physical play castles hooked watching the Rangers play and he's never fully watched a playoff series. And now he's having full conversations about seeing plays happen here and there the way the Rangers are playing TJ. I know it's tough being a Bruins fan the way they lost, but still being engaged in the second round, there's still two more rounds left of playoff hockey. And these games look like conference finals, Stanley Cup Finals with how competitive and aggressive these games have been. McKinnon is just ridiculous. And there's a reason why he's one of the best players in hockey. And the goal you were talking about, Stevie, he, I, I wish this was a video podcast so we could attach it to show, but maybe TJ will post something on Instagram. You'll have to stay tuned for that. Take it on the entire defense. Literally, is the definition of putting his team on the back. Mar- he went full Marshawn Lynch mode there, putting his team on the back, and because no one else on his team scored besides him, he accounted for every single point because he had three goals and an assist, I believe. Ridiculous. And then the night before, someone else had a hat trick, and that was Evander Kane for the Edmonton Oilers. Natural hat trick, natural hat trick as well. And he actually leads the uh, NHL in goals these playoffs. I believe he has 11 or 12, which is crazy to think about because he was out of the league just a few months ago. Well, that, that shocked me when you first told me that earlier. And, I, you know, because there's still so many, like, you know, you have a guy like, or all the, any of the other Oilers players, whether it's McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, um, was it Dreisaitl, you know, and then, uh, or McKinnon or Panarin on the Rangers or like all these, like, there's so many, like a lot of goals. Chris scored. Kreider, who scored Chris 50, Kreider, yeah. 52 in the regular season. Um, So it's really like crazy to think he is, and especially with some of the allegations he had going on that he could really buckle down and focus into the playoffs and good for him Um, because he was like back in his days, like he did, like he was never an elite player, but he was a really good solid player and he could, you know, he could score. So, you know, I'm sure the Oilers are glad from the, uh, the um, kind of uh, production they're getting from him, especially during the most important time. So for me, like for the avalanche, I think they'll still walk away with the series. I mean, I don't know if you guys think differently. If you think uh, like TJ, I want to get your opinion from now that your Bruins are out. And plus you've, you've saw when the Bru- uh, the blues played the Bruins in the Stanley cup for years ago, when the blues ended up coming back and winning, you know, obviously it's a much different team. I don't think they're as good as they were, but do you think this team 
has potential to overcome this deficit and beat Colorado, who was the uh, best team in the season. And really, I think they're the best team in this playoffs. Or do you think the abs will hold on? And that was kind of just of a bad one loss and every team's going to have some of those bad losses in the playoffs. So what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, well, first and foremost, I've, I've got to watch firsthand how resilient this blues team is granted they have a few new guys. Some guys may have gone from that 2019 team, but I, I know, I know down there in St. Louis, they, they don't want to give up and it goes to show last night they were down, they were out, they came back, they, they won the game. And I think the most interesting stat from that game is Tyler, Tyler Bozak, the goal scorer, that was, I think, only his first shot of the night or second shot of the night, and he only played maybe six minutes. of He only had six minutes of ice time the entire game. So up until up until that point, he was just grinding through, waiting for his opportunity, and he took it. So I think, and we've seen that this whole postseason with, with the Blues so far, they, except maybe in the Minnesota series, but we know that they're, they can always come back. And it sucks that they lost Bennington, but Huso is going to step up big. He's done it so far. And hopefully, hopefully they can turn it around. They got one. They're not out yet. I've seen it. I've seen it before. And one thing I told Josh last series or yeah, last series when the Rangers were down, I said, I've seen crazier. And that's been my whole theme of the playoffs so far is I've seen crazier just keeps getting topped. It was perfect that you told me that. And I, and I forgot about Bennington being out because it really wasn't talked about much after game four, when he got hurt and now they're heading into game six. I think you're right. He got hurt in game four. Now they're going to game six, I believe. Right. Yep, uh, game six. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, they're going to game six. And that's a that's a big loss that is not really talked about. That's their all-star caliber goalie. That's like if Igor Shosturkey got was uh, out or Vasilevsky. Like, that's a big name. He is the heart and soul of that Blues team. Yeah, they have Ryan O'Reilly, but no, it's Jordan Bennington. He is their, their rock. So that is a big loss. But like you, I like how you said, who's going to step up? You've seen crazier. Well, we see, like you said, Bozak, right? That's the guy who scored. I've never even heard his name. And that's fitting for these, these playoffs. Expect the unexpected. Who's going to step up when the lights are the brightest? And I, I love that about playoff hockey. About playoffs in general, but especially these hockey playoffs. And uh, don't worry, we're almost there to the Rangers. So, uh, Fromitz, you can uh, give you a little input in Castle, too. I know you haven't really uh, talked yet, so my apologies for that. Uh, but uh, I, I do want to talk about the, um, the other game tonight, which is the Oilers in Calgary. And I will say um, Edmonton leads 3-1. And I don't know if the game – I think the game's in Calgary tonight at the Saddle Dome, which, first of all, you know, it's got, I know it's got some history and it's, like, known for its unique, like um, – architecture and style but i think it's so ugly i don't know about you guys i don't know if you've seen a picture of it but like 
if you like pull up a picture right now, I'm like, I, what's I, so I wrong with the horse saddle being on top of your stadium? I don't know. I just, I don't like, I don't really, I don't like any of the Canada arenas. I think the nicest ones are probably um, Toronto's because it's like, you know, the big city and it's like Toronto, like, you know, with Raptors, I don't know. It feels more like an American kind of like uh, arena venue, but these other Can- Canadian like arenas, they just don't like, I don't know. They just have some weird looks to them and I don't like them. Uh, anyways, that's beyond the point. So even though Edmonton holds that three, one lead, like, even they had that big lead, um, kind of like with the abs game last night, they had a big lead and then Calgary came back and then Edmonton ended up winning. So, I mean, despite like the large deficit, I mean, this Calgary team, I don't think same thing. I think they're going to keep fighting. So do we see Calgary making a, um, like a push to kind of tighten up the series and possibly advance? Or do we think Edmonton's finally going to move? I mean, cause Edmonton, Probably has two of the best, probably the two best players in the NHL, Drysaddle and McDavid, without a doubt. I mean, those two are always the past couple of years the two highest scorers. Uh, everyone's known that McDavid's been like the top guy in the league pretty much his second year. Um, so it's fitting now that they're actually winning games and going far because they have a good team. So, do we think Edmonton has secured a big enough lead and uh, we'll go to the Western Conference Finals, or do we think Calgary might surprise some people and come back? So, promise I'll let you. Uh... The, the craziest part about the whole series is you look at each game and it looks like it's a football score with some of these scores. Nine six was just game one alone. Like that's a Bears Giants game with neither team being able to score much. Oh, Listen, listen here. Hey, hey let, let me finish. The Bears Giants last year, the Bears put up 20, so so maybe a Jets-Giants game. That, that was a Mike Lennon Giants-led team, Stevie. Congrats. Maybe, maybe it's a Jets, like, uh, I don't know. You're getting, si- you're, you're getting sidetracked. You're getting sidetracked. No, he's, trying to, he's coming at our teams, right, Castle? He thinks the Jets now, you know. If got, Andy, uh, so you're telling me if Andy Dalton wasn't, was quarterback, they'd score more than nine points. Andy Dalton was our quarterback in that game. Fields was out. Let me just let me go back to hockey, Steve. Yeah. Come on. Are you the one that brought the football reference in? I'm just and I was hoping it would just now. and I was hoping it would just slide, but I guess I was wrong. My ears are open. Nothing can slide when the Bears come into play, Josh. We, we, we all know that. I'll have to find a way to be Thank more subtle know. about it next time. I see. But anyway, you would think that a series that's so high scoring would benefit the Oilers. And so far that's proven to be true with all the high scoring games, but I think that it's going to benefit uh, Calgary more in the sense that they're the, they get more stops than Edmonton. I think when push comes to stop to shove and you need to tighten up on defense and rely on goaltending, I'd much rather rely on uh, Calgary's goaltending um, and uh, Jacob Markstrom as opposed to Edmonton, who they have a rotation of goalies, right? Mark Smith. Mike Smith has been getting the most of it, but yeah. But they've it's been like in and out, though. It hasn't been Mike Smith for every game, I believe. And plus, he's also been injured in a few games and then comes back in. So it, you really don't know what you're going to get with goaltending from Edmonton. 
Plus, Calgary also has the playmakers to compete with Edmonton. So I wouldn't be shocked if Edmonton wins that series in seven. Plus, they'll have the home ice advantage in game seven. I think uh, it, it's interesting that you said it because it is probably the highest scoring um, series so far. And, and that's the thing, whoever wins the series, and I, I think Edmonton will hold on. Um, but like, so whoever moves on to the next round, they're like, yes, they can put up points, but they also allow a lot of points. And if they play a team like Colorado, who's very good defensively, um, you know, they might have some trouble or it could be the opposite, or they could maybe shut down the abs a little bit or whoever they, or St. Louis or whoever they play. Um, and they can put up a lot of points each night. It's not just like one night they can like each night they, you know, it seems like they're scoring at least four goals, which really, and this, I would say this playoffs, uh, unless you guys disagree, but this playoffs do seem a lot more high scoring than in past years or than what I would uh, expect to, but you know, it, it makes for fun and eventful. I mean, unless if, you know, you're that kind of hockey fan that likes defensive and more, you know, goalie play, but, um, it has been fun to watch and it's, you know, that Oilers team, they really can explode for a lot of goals. So we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, the Av series and the Oilers series. Um, and that Western side is really interesting, but so is that Eastern side. Um, so before we talk about the Rangers and Hurricanes, because that one, uh, and I believe they're dropping the puck right now as we speak. So we'll kind of do some live updates. Um, so I want to talk about the other series. Um, and I'm, I just completely blanked. Who's in the other series? Well, Tampa already. The, the, light, the lightning. Yeah, that's what it was. The lightning already went that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, so, it went by so fast, Stevie. It's, it's, it's easy to forget that it happened. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they swept the best, the best team. Yeah. Because Florida had the most points. So let's talk about the lightning for a little bit, actually, because. They're they were interesting because uh they made it in as a what like a wild card team. No, they finished third in the uh Atlantic. Oh, they did okay. But they were kind of my Bruins came in at uh, the first wild card spot. All right, but they were kind of hovering around that spot though, right? For right for the so the Bruins only finished, I think, three or four points behind them. Very huh. small margin. So it's like pretty much two games because a victory is worth two points. So, um, so yeah, so really they didn't like glide through to one of the top seeds like they have in the past years, but when they make it to the playoffs, they are just like, I mean, they're, they're back-to-back champs right now, you know, and they're, they're looking for the three P fitting our uh, title of our podcast. But so what do we, what do you guys think of, and TJ, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this, of the lightning, um, overcoming the big deficit to Toronto. And then just absolutely just sweeping right through Florida, who Florida, like Frama said, was no pushover. They were definitely the best team in the East. And at one point, or you could still well, they, according the Well, no. they had the most points in the league. They were the best. Oh, they, did? they won the president's trophy. Okay. So then, yeah, I didn't know if it was at Colorado or Florida, but it was Florida, huh? So, yeah. So, TJ, what are, you, uh, what are your thoughts on t- – and then do you think Tampa has a chance to make – a third straight finals appearance and you know so what are your thoughts on them guaranteed i i I think tampa 
coming to the playoffs, even in that Leaf series, they were a lock to make it to the Stanley Cup final this year. Um, even like, that whole Panthers series had me kind of befuddled. But then I remembered the, the curse of the President's Trophy, starting with the Nashville Predators, I believe, in 2016. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I, yeah, everyone gets it. So usually the, present, the curse of the President's Trophy follows with either a first or second round exit. It happened to my Bruins in 2020. So seeing Florida get bounced was shocking because, like from what said, it, they were the best team in the league. They had the most points. Not only did they have the most points, they had the best power play percentage, and they had the at most average goals per game, which was at almost five, which is insane. They scored the most goals throughout the entirety of all the other teams in the NHL this year. And then to just see Tampa manhandle them like that, it also just goes to show the true testament of Tampa Bay. Like, they're hungry for that 3 P. And Andre Vasilevsky is just – he's not Andre Vasilevsky in the playoffs. I don't know who he is. I don't know what they did with him. That's like a robot or something because that's not a, that's not a human in net. I'm convinced it's not I, a human. I think I saw a stat that in the, that this round, he faced like almost 300 shots and allowed one goal. Yeah, I, I, there was a stretch where he, he faced like 98 shots and only allowed in two. In like three games, I think I think it may have been next that. But regardless, the man is the man is on an absolute tear this postseason. He's the he's the if not he's not if not the best he is way up there in ranks right now. I believe Bennington was leading in all goalie categories except for a few up until now. I think Vasilevsky is just that guy. He's a Vezina finalist for a reason, and he's playing like he has already won it. It's, it's, I, I agree with you. I don't think, cause he, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best schoolies, um, you know, regular season, postseason. He's one of the best schoolies in the league, but it seemed like times this year, he didn't look like the same, um, Vasilevsky as he normally does. But then once playoffs come, he is like, like you said, he's not human. He's like a robot there. He just stops everything. Um, and he's been such a huge factor in them winning back-to-back Stanley Cups and possibly chasing their third. So they, I mean, they still have a really good team. You know, Kucherov is uh, Steven Stamkos. Is he healthy right now? Or- yeah, Steven- no, that, that's a big, I think that's yeah. a big part of it. Last year when they won their second, uh, their second Stanley Cup final, Steven Stamkos was only healthy for the finals, but he was very much injured. He only was playing through that series just so he could be just showing to his guys that he is the captain of this team for a reason. He really wasn't able to do much on the ice this year in the playoffs. He is looking like he's playing like he wants to prove everyone wrong that he's still the same dominant Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov may be the best winger in hockey right now. His passing ability is just ridiculous. It seems like he is guaranteed at least two or three points every single night every single time he's on the ice yeah kucherov he's one he's definitely uh he's very special in this and he i would agree with you he's probably one of the best forwards in the league and you know tampa got uh tampa's really lucky to have him and stamkos because that's that's scary to stop um 
so yeah so i i like it <laughs> clean sweep already that was so quickly i forgot that that series already ended uh so they're gonna be they're waiting the winner of the series that's still going on in the east and that's a bunch of the boys teams castle and francis rangers so uh castle we haven't heard from you yet so uh finally you know you can unmute yourself not that you had to say muted but you can unmute yourself and uh what the man speak oh yeah you know people might have been like what what, what did we kick him off no we didn't kick him off i'm been waiting i'm taking it all in you know you guys are the teachers and i'm the students so uh i just wanted to quickly throw something in don't know how accurate this is or whatever but for as long as i've known hockey and the few guys in the sport stam coast has been one of the best and i've actually been following him uh in this in the playoffs and specifically the series and he's just a, such a key piece i don't even know you know it's not just the scoring it's just how he commands himself on the ice so uh I really liked how he brought that up. I know, I know I'm a Rangers fan. I'm not supposed to give the guy credit, but he, he, he is a fun guy to watch. He really is. I got no issues with Stamkos. You're a hundred percent spot on with that. And, and it's, I think it's his name, you know, especially his first name. Stamkos. That, that is a good name. Stamkos. Stamkos yeah, has a nice ring to it. You know, I, I think it's just the name Steve just brings a lot of power and a lot of like, you know, I think a good name. A lot of success. Anyways, you know, because I guess no one's biting on that. Uh, anyways, Castle, you know, your Rangers, they uh, they were down 2-0 Carolina, in Carolina. It was tough for the Rangers, um, especially that first game. I mean, you're up one nothing the entire game, then to blow it and then lose in overtime. Um, and then even the second game was what, one nothing. Was that the final score in the second game, game two? I, th- I think One nothing. So. Yep. Yeah. And then and then three and four, MSG. The Rangers pulled out. They pulled out, they showed up and they pulled out two victories, two key victories. So now it's back in Carolina. And it's funny because it's Carolina. They can't lose at home, but then they also can't win on the road. Do you think the narrative can change this time around? And maybe whether they lose on the road and maybe, you know, for your guys' sake, they don't win uh, or they lose at home, but then they don't win on the road still. So do you think the Rangers can, I mean, this is a big game for the series. So do you think the Rangers can do it? Or do you think Carolina's success at home is too good where they're just, I don't know, they play so well there that you think it's Carolina's game to lose? I think no matter what the sport is, home, home court, home rank, home field always helps. But what I saw from the Rangers last game, I think if they can carry on to tonight, I think they could upset them at home. It was not only the most physical game of the series, but some of the saves that I saw from Igor in the net, I mean, he was all over the place. And, and that's a big key too. I mean, he, that, that game, and, and, and I don't know the exact stats, but that had to be, that game had to be one of the best games in terms of how many goals he actually let up. I mean, there were games where he was letting three, four goals and he only let up one. So that's a big key. The physicality is a huge key too. We didn't really see that in, much in the beginning, but you're seeing guys hit the boards now, you know, 
it's it's huge and and another thing is is puck control too when you get the puck in in, in the right hand whether it's Kreider Mika it, it doesn't matter who you know who it is there there are guys on multiple lines contributing so I think if you take the formula from last game and you bring it down south into Carolina I think you know we can definitely get the upset and uh just going off of Mika for a minute he's he is so fun to watch he's you know, I know I'm still early in the game, but he's had, you know, easily my favorite player. No disrespect to some of the other big names on the team, but he's so humble. And, and I really think he takes on a good leadership role for this team. And some of the shots he makes are ridiculous. Like he gets the smallest window and he somehow manages to, to, to find the shot. So it's little things from players like him. But then, like I said, it's the big scheme and with, with that physicality, you know, they, they can't, the first three games, they kind of let it drag. They can't let it drag tonight, even uh, even on the road. So, those are the things they really need to take with them into this game. I, I totally agree. Um, and I actually I'm mad because I didn't get to watch. Uh, I'm busy the past couple of days trying to prepare my room and uh, my house. Now that I'm a freshly college graduate, I need to prepare. So I've been busy with that, so I didn't get to catch it. Um, but I saw the score, and it was you know it was a big win for them. But like you said. I think they're the same way that last series when they got down and I was like, Oh boy, that might be the series it was three, one and Pittsburgh just had like the momentum, but then the Rangers, they didn't back down and they didn't, you know, they, they became more physical despite being down three, one, the series, uh, they became more aggressive and, you know, that's, and then you saw it, they won three consecutive games to win that series. And if they can do what they did last game and continue that now, and not back down and not be intimidated by Carolina's home win streak in the playoffs and that atmosphere, you know, like you're the New York Rangers, you know, you have the rich history. The hurricanes used to be the whalers for, for, you know, like this, listen, they're a really good team and they have very passionate fans, but like you're the New York Rangers, you are this storied franchise. Um, and you know, I, and you got Igor Sisirkin who, Sisirskin, which is he's so good, you know, and you have really good players. So use like, you know, let your leaders, let your vets like Panarin, Mika, Kreider, let them take over, you know, and let these young guys bring a lot of the juice, the energy, you know, Lafreniere, Kako, um, or let even Ryan Reeves, who's old, he's probably the oldest one on that team. Let him bring the juice. I mean, he loves to some of his pregame speeches. Oh, he, he's um, bringing the juice regardless. Oh yeah. Which is good though. You know, like you just need to bring the energy and the juice. Um, and just to be honest, like, don't be like trying to play perfect hockey all the time. Just be physical, be aggressive and, and just play Rangers hockey like you did all season. And I think, you know, cause really the hurricanes have had the Rangers numbers, especially in the playoffs the past couple of years. So Throw all that aside. Throw it away. It's 2-2 now. You, you've proven you can handle them. And even the first two games, like we said, they weren't blowouts. You know, they were one, one score game, one goal game. In that first game, you controlled the entire game. You just can't let that happen again if they get into that situation. So, Frommets, I know you've been waiting for this time now. Uh, and obviously, you talked about the other teams, but this is your team. You know, you got the Rangers jersey on now. You got a nice Panarin one. He's got the nice uh, alternate uh, Statue of Liberty one. It's really nice from what I could see. Um, hey, Liberty jerseys, oh, yeah. one of the greatest jerseys ever made. Oh, yeah, I, I will agree with that. So, Fromwitz, 
I'm not going to physically hand the mic over to you because you already have one in your hand, but take it away. Um, what I saw at MSG, what like Castle said, was a lot of physicality. And what I mean by that specifically is they didn't allow Carolina to get into their sweet spot, which is forechecking, which is being up into our guys and making them feel uncomfortable. We were applying that pressure. We didn't let Sebastian Ajo and Tara Vinen and Svechnikov, Jesper Foss, former Ranger, get in their spots. Yes, they might have been able to score a goal at some point late in the game when it was meaningless, kind of, and the game was over, but they struggled to get in their zone. Another thing Carolina has been very horrible about, and this dates back to the Bruins series, was their power play is by far the worst in the NHL right now. It is horrible. I am not worried about their power play unit at all. I'm confident in the Rangers' penalty kill alone. But watching them on the power play is telling me that the Rangers could be even more aggressive and force Carolina who's 11% on the power play of these playoffs, which is horrendous. The league average in the regular season was close to 30, 25, 30%. So 11% in the playoffs, horrendous. I believe they, they're, I don't know what the number is exactly, but whatever it is, they are, the Rangers could be more physical. Ryan Reeves could get under one of their guys' skin and egg someone on. Lindgren, Truba. We saw Truba's nasty hit in game four. The hit heard around the world, it seems like, where everyone is talking about it. That hit sparked the Rangers. They're able to be more physical, and there really aren't many teams remaining in the playoffs that, are, that have someone as physical as a Ryan Lindgren or a Jacob Truba or Ryan Reeves. Reeves may be the most physical and aggressive player in hockey right now. And yeah, TJ, I would love to see uh, Reeves knock out Tony D'Angelo. That'd be great. Should save it for game six in the garden though. Um, But that allows the Rangers to set up their offense because if you have guys like Truba and Lindgren and Reeves who know their role as being those aggressive beasts, it allows Kreider to get in deep and park right in front of the net and Panarin dish out assists. Mika make those beautiful shots that look basically like they're straight out of a video game that Castle was talking about. And that's Rangers hockey. And then you have Igor, one of the best goalies. And that's their formula in game three and four. And I believe it will continue in game five. And if they could play like how they played in game three and four, then I, I do think that the series is an advantage for the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it best. Also, I mean, look, look at the, the arena. It looks like it's a lot of blue and Carolina's colors are red and black. So that also is saying it's got to say something about Ranger fans. I would say so. And I mean, Playoff hockey in the garden, whether it's Knicks, Rangers, I mean, it's a whole different element and atmosphere, unlike 
a lot of other venues. So, you know, for the, even the Rangers themselves, they have a big um, home ice uh, advantage. So it, it's, it's been a really fun series. All the NHL series have been, and I, like you said earlier, Josh, I've only been watching the Stanley cup playoffs really um, because, and we're, you know, now we'll kind of transition to it, but the NBA playoffs, I don't know. It's either blowout, uh, you know, blowouts, and then either it remains a blowout or they come back where it's like, I'm already falling asleep. Garbage. Uh, it, yeah. Catch up. You know? So, I mean, I know the Warriors have come back from huge couple of big deficits, but same time, it's like, I don't want to just watch blowouts and then they come back. Like I want to watch a competitive game through and through. Uh, so that's why the NHL playoffs, even if they're blowouts, like it's, they kind of score quick or I don't know, there's, or there's that physicality, like guys are really like, you could tell the difference in intensity in between the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. Um, really just NHL alone. Like they they have that intensity throughout the year. And then, you know, obviously every sport, the playoff intensity is different than the regular season uh, intensity, but you could tell these guys really want in the NHL playoffs and not that the guys in the NBA don't, but like if they miss a shot, they just still kind of stand there. Like, then you chill, these guys are really grinding or you see someone like McKinnon take over and do whatever he has to do to score um, or guys, you know, like I, I forgot uh, before we go into the NBA, I think was it the Edmonton game where the goalie got smacked and then everyone was just pretty much hidden. Like each team was just like, it was a big brawl right in the ice. It was the Edmonton game, but there's also something similar in St. Louis with Jordan Bennington when he, got uh trucked by uh Nazim Kadri Kadri okay yep there, there were two instances in basically two nights so like you see like if that's like that's why that's why I want to watch and that's why I choose to watch that and I don't say I'm not watching the NBA playoffs but I turn it on and it's kind of hard to watch because see Boston up 1801 in the first four minutes it's kind of a turnoff it is no it is um unless if you're TJ uh, yeah, unless we're a Boston fan like TJ. And so now, you know what, let's, let's go into the NBA playoffs. Uh, TJ, your Celtics, big win last night, kind of like we mentioned, the uh, big blowout. And so now they're up 3-2, going back to Boston, I believe, right? So Oh, yeah. They, so they can secure a uh, NBA Finals appearance for the first time, and I think, God, like since Rondo and all them, since he beat the Lakers, right? Was that the last time? It's been a while. You know, uh, was it Garnett, Ray Allen, and uh, Ronald? That, that, that was, was the last yeah. time they were in the finals, yes. Yeah, so last yeah, time they were in the finals. The last, it was uh, the one KG was like, everything's possible! <laughs> so, yeah. So I, believe, not only- I believe the last time they are in the finals was like 2011-2012 when they lost to the Lakers. Okay. So, let's, yeah, let's, let's the do last, some- the last, last time they won the finals, I believe, was also against the Lakers, and that was like 2008 or 2009. Something like that, but yeah, regardless, it's been a long time. 2010 was the last time they uh were in the uh 2008 they won the Celtics, 2010 they made and lost. So, um, so yeah, it's been more than a decade. So, kind of like the Yankees, you know, a, a, a huge franchise, a storied franchise with so many championships and yet haven't had much success, haven't even made a finals in 12 years. Uh, so, TJ, I'll start off with you. You think this is the year they finally do it? I mean, this Celtics seems fun to watch, but they're also a really good team. They're playing well together. So, what do you think? Do you think they can pull it out? I think so. Uh, I'm not the only one to think so. Even 
everybody's everyone thinks the heat is that's it they're done season's over Celtics are gonna go and they're gonna win I think they have they have more size than Golden State they have more ability to play both ends of the ball and just seeing the way that this team can gel together and pick each other up after a bad performance or a bad quarter. This is something I haven't seen in a long time. I don't, I, I don't know what to, how to describe it other than just like I used the word before about resilience. They, they have no quit. And we saw it, we saw in game two, they have a, they had a bad performance from Tatum and he's come back out and he's shown us to be that guy and that superstar that he is. And even with bad quarters, bad performances aside, they have the depth and they have the, the tenacity from the bench and their bench stars who we haven't really seen play big minutes until the end of the season, but they're coming up huge now, even now that it counts the most. And I want to date back to a little bit of a, a little, little while ago when we were talking about depth and Josh was talking about, I forgot who it was. Probably Derek White. Yeah, it, exactly. It was Derek White. And we've seen him step up huge in this series against the Heat, whether it's not, it may not be in the scoring column, but dishing the ball, setting up plays, playing defense, forcing turnovers. He's turned his game around a complete 360 from what it was to both of us complaining about him, even though you're not a Celtics fan, but we wanted him to step up and he did. I don't know if he listens, but he stepped up and I want to hear what you guys have to say. Well, it's funny you say if he listens, because it seems like a lot of times when you call out players or teams, they do, uh, they do kind of pull it around. So maybe he does listen, who knows? Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. TJ or any of you uh, three. Um, But I think the biggest factor in why the Celtics will win this series and go to the NBA Finals is Marcus Smart. I think having him is huge. Like he, don't get me wrong, Tatum is so good. He's a star of that team. And same thing, Jalen Brown, you know. But I think Marcus Smart is that X factor because – not only see the defense defensive player of the year, but like he just brings a whole different energy and excitement and tenacity to that team. Not that they're lacking, but I mean, he really, you know, he plays so hard and tough and really plays a nitty gritty and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, he's flying on the, like he's diving on the court. He's right in your face. Like he's a menace. Um, and he's made some clutch shots and he's made some, like he made shots lately now, like he's been making consistent shots. So, you know, Castle, do you agree with that? Do you think, you know, listen, Marcus Smart, maybe what didn't, uh, turn into the, one of the big stars that maybe the Celtics saw when they first drafted him, but I think he's perfect with the role that they have him in. And I really think he is going to be the factor that leads them to beating the number one seeded heat. So I, I was always a big Marcus Smart guy. Loved him at Oklahoma State. So happy he won Defensive Player of the Year. All of that. And I do agree. He's a huge piece for this team. However, he has been hurt a little. 
So to say he's the X factor, I don't know if I fully agree with that. When I think of the X factor for this team, the name that comes to mind for me is Al Hortford. I mean, what he's done with this team has just impressed me so much to the point where his time with the Hawks, I think, will be forgotten when it's all said and done. I mean, at this stage in his career, the passing, the shooting, he, he, he's a real commander out there. And I'm sure TJ has loved to see what he's done for this team, too. And I, I think he just brings a presence not only with his skill, but as a vet who's experienced a lot of different moments throughout his career. So I think Smart is a big guy for this team. But if you were to ask me who the X Factor guy was, you know, taking away the two stars of the team, I, I would have to give it to Al Hortford. But yeah, I, I do really like what I've seen from Smart, though. I, that, that I do agree. I do think he's, he's a huge piece for this team. And it's funny that you say Horford because I will agree with that too, because Horford's been like very uh, dependent, like they've been very dependent on him and relying on him. And uh, he's been coming up so clutch and, um, and he's been playing some of his best basketball. And it's funny because he had a really good years with uh, like he great in his early career with the Hawks. And then he signed with the uh, Celtics and had a lot of success there. And then, you know, and inked him a big contract with Philly and I just didn't like the fit from the get-go. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it didn't work out, but I just thought, like, you know, him and Embiid, I don't think they'll work together, and they didn't. And then he got traded to the Thunder, and then the Thunder, like, ended up cutting. Like, so he really, like, I thought, like, his career was done with that. I just thought he signed the wrong – he kind of made a mistake, signed the wrong team. Now he's not going to get that chance anymore. Um, and then, yeah, the Celtics, we got him back. And it's proven wonders for them. And um, and he really has been huge for them in the momentum. And like, even yesterday at the half, I think he was like the leading scorer. Um, And not only is he just like playing well and like down low, but like he's been dishing the ball out. So I will agree with you. Like, so even if it's not smart, that's, you know, the X factor, I can see why you said it with his injuries. Then I can agree that Horford might be um, because he's been, he's been excellent. So, Farmers, I don't know if you want to say anything more about that series or if you want to talk about the other series. No, I want to talk some more about this series, but okay. I want to talk more about uh, the Heat because we haven't talked about them. So no need to re- re- repeat what you guys have said about the Celtics because I agree with everything. I agree that Horford's definitely been the X factor. And I mean, so is Marcus Smart. The number one seeded Miami Heat, I don't know what it is with them, it, whether it's injuries, fatigue, I have no idea, but every team is dealing with the same thing. So I really have no idea what's going on with them. I'll tell you what. I think I think it's their age. Yes, they yes, like they have a lot of good players and stars and stuff like that. But Jimmy Butler's now into his thirties. Kyle Lowry's well into his thirties. And I you know I, I think Kyle Lowry really isn't as good of a fit as people think he is when fully healthy. He's not the same Kyle Lowry that they that they were hoping he would be, which is 35, 36. Jimmy Butler, I'm not putting it on him, but I think the injury to Tyler Hero is as is a huge loss that's not getting talked about enough. He's a spark plug, the definition of a spark plug off the bench. 20 plus point scorer a night, three assist guy. Yeah, he's not a great defender, but he's that energy guy that you need. 
dishing out the ball, scoring, making those clutch shots, the Heat just looked so stiff and just out of it, out of it. And um, it's this is something you wouldn't see in you would see this at the beginning of the season. Like it looks like they're trying to shake off the rust and trying to figure out their ways. Not when you're face about to face an elimination game in the conference finals, especially with the best team in the uh, East. I, I think TJ has the stats if I get them wrong, but I believe they shot 31% from the field yesterday and 15% from three, but they shot, they went seven of 45 from three pointers they are way too dependent on the three-pointer. I, I don't know what their offensive game call game plan was, but there's no way that their game plan was to chuck up and say, hey, 70% of our offense is going to be coming from the three-pointers because that's not who the Heat are. It, it has never been that way. Eric Spolstra has always had a team that your best player is going to dominate in the mid-range. He's going to get to the foul line. Jimmy Butler, that is who he's been his entire career. Chicago, Stevie, you know him from the guy being the guy who'll post up at the mid-range and he'll body you and get to get his basket or get a foul. We've seen even more so of that in, uh, when he became a member of Miami Heat. and. They, I don't know why they're so set on just settling from threes. Max Struess, he's had a very good playoff series, but he's also had really, really bad games. I, it, it's painful to watch, and I really had to turn the game off. And I, I hate turning off basketball games because it's my favorite sport. Max Struess, I believe. Him and Kyle Lowry went 0 for 15 from the field yesterday. That is the most misses by two guards in NBA playoff history. No two guards have ever combined for that most for that amount of misses, missed shots. And most of them came from the three-point range. I believe Struess was what, 0 of 9, 0 for 10? So Kyle Lowry, 0 for 6 from the field. Max Drews, 0 for 9 from the field. Kyle Lowry, 0 for 5 from the three-point. Max Drews, 0 for 7. Okay. Close the only enough. way Strews got buckets was from the charity stripe. And Kyle Lowry, your point guard, I don't. he didn't rack up an assist even, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, no points, no assists, and nothing from the field. And then at that point, you're just left scrambling as a coach because if you're, I mean, it, I, it definitely falls on Spolstra to some extent because that's the game plan they came up with. And that's just pathetic coaching, but it's hard to believe that Eric Spolstra after so many years would design a game plan where their team would just be content with just settling for threes, especially with how equally banged up the heat or the Celtics are Marcus smart as dominant of a defender he is it's well known that he's hobbling out there Robert Williams too he, there, he hasn't looked 100 close to 100% the entire playoffs I'd say Robert Robert Williams is probably close to 70% playing these games 
Marcus Smart, probably 75-80%. A fraction of what he is. It's still dominant, but Jimmy Butler should be able to have his way with those two guys. There's no reason why Jimmy Butler should be settling for shots. There's no reason why Kyle Lowry or Max, Max Struess, that's his game. Okay, fine. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan in Toronto were known for their mid-range. That was the Kyle Lowry that they hoped they brought in. A point guard who could pass the ball and get to the rim. And he's been very disappointing. He's been injured a lot. And frankly, they've looked better without him. And I think that falls to Tyler Hero not being available. He's their young spark plug that they really desperately needed. And now Duncan Robinson, who barely saw any playing time in the first round, is heavily relied on. And Duncan Robinson only has, is a one-dimensional guy. Stand on the three-point line and chuck up threes, and he'll go three for ten, four for ten, almost any given night. But that's it. No, I, I can agree with that. And, um, like, my point I was saying is that he are too old. They have too many veterans. And, you know, they're just tired after a long season, after their long careers. And especially a guy like Jimmy Butler, you know, he's been carrying this heat. I mean, he's been carrying every team he's been on, but especially this heat team the past three years that he's been on there. You know, in the bubble, remember that? Like, he could barely stand up after games. Um, but that was after him dropping 40-plus points. And then he'd be just as dominant the next night age definitely may be a factor like you said stevie and that's a very good point because what is he 32 33 now he's got to be somewhere up there and then kyle Lowry. Which, i mean it's still he's still in his prime no doubt but oh, yeah I but think- what he's had to do like he's had a lot of like you know by having to constantly carry a team and be the go-to guy and you know will teams to like victories and especially like you know a jimmy Butler team goes goes into the playoffs and usually they'll go pretty deep into the playoffs sometimes, you know, um, as this heat team has shown now the past couple years. And so he's like, he just has a lot of games under his belt. So even though he's still in his prime and stuff, but he's but, just constantly having to be relied on to be, to put his team in a good position. So then my next question, I want any, anyone could answer this. I guess Stevie will answer. They have another star. Where the hell is Bam Adebayo? He's 24 years old. He's a former all-star. He's a former gold medalist on Team USA. Where the hell is Bam? I have not heard his name since game three, where he dominated, and their game plan was set. No Robert Williams, we're going to attack. Robert Williams comes back. He's a f- barely a fly in the arena. He's he could be on the bench for all I know. I, I haven't heard his name once. I believe with the games that Robert Williams has started, has started, he's scored, he's scoring less than eight points this round. And now this is a guy that is being talked about to be getting a max contract very soon or got a max contract. I believe he got extended. He's supposed to be helping out Jimmy Butler. Where the hell is he? Well, I think, I think like you've been saying, the game plan. I think it's all about the game plan. And Robert you know, Williams is still an undersized big. Bam Adebayo has a jumper. Why aren't you creating mid-range shots that I've been saying? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he still finished the double-double last game. Um, but 
And actually, he was actually last game he he was their leading scorer. Um, but still, like he's not putting up those like let's see what his averages for the year was. So um, you know, let's look at the game log and he's just not averaging what he used to. Oh, like, yeah, okay, so game th- game uh three, he dropped 31 as he could, and then the next game he dropped nine and then 18. So, but the first two games was 10 and six, 10 points and six points. Um, you know, he was much more consistent in the Philly series, but this series, he's really only had one really good game, one more game consistent. Where- and yes, he may have been hobbled. That's still Joel Embiid. He went against, yeah. he still put up numbers against Joel Embiid, who also was still dominant, even though he was injured. Joel Embiid was still very much dominant, putting up 40 points and doing his thing. Bam Adebayo was able to have his way. So what's different? Like, no no offense to Robert Williams at all. I know he's probably the best defensive center, but how is Bam Adebayo not able to have his way against Robert Williams? It really just blows my mind. You got to wonder. You got to wonder if it's if it's a mental thing, then maybe he's, you know, got some something in his head about Robert Williams or something is thrown off about something with the game. But I agree, you know, right behind Jimmy Butler, it's Bam. He, he's the next biggest name on this team. He fits the mold for a modern day center. And it's so critical to have a, a center with that skill, which kind of goes back to the whole point about. Hortford being the X factor, I mean, a little different, you know, young versus old ones, you know, can actually take the ball up the court a little better, but that's besides the point. He was able to compete with Embiid, who has been in the MVP race for multiple years. And then it's Robert Williams who miraculously comes back from a major injury. You got to wonder if it's a mental thing, if there's something going on in his head that's preventing him from playing the game that that he should be playing and this isn't me throwing blame but you got to wonder if Spolster's noticing this and if there's any adjustments going on behind the scenes so you know and and I forgot who brought it up I think it was you Josh but totally agree Kyle Lowry is not doing for this team what a lot of people thought he would the guard that needs more recognition is Victor Oladipo. I've watched him play in the series, and there have been some times where he, he's looked like Indiana Victor. So, but yeah, Bam, it's, it's very concerning. And if his play continues to decrease, I think it's ultimately going to be a huge reason that Boston closes out the series. And I think, uh, I think a big thing for the Heat, too, is a guy like Jimmy, a guy like Bam, you know, it's – they've been playing almost the entire game. They've been playing so many minutes, you know, Jimmy Butler think last game played like 40 something minutes and bam played 38. Those were like the two highest, but then you get guys like bam really doesn't have a backup. So to be honest, as much as like, I do want to kind of blame him and get on him. I guess I can't too much because he doesn't have a solid backup. So he's forced to play the whole game. So he might be exhausted too. Um, but guys like Victor Oladipo, I know he's, he came back from injury. But like, he's got to start picking up now. Like, you know, if you're if you're healthy and you're back, 
this is no time to ease in. It's either then you can't play. I mean, this is a playoffs. This is like, you need to be ready to play at a high intensity. Um, and then a guy like Duncan Robinson, he got his money and he's been nothing. He's been like nowhere to be, like, he's not doing well. So he, like you're the, he have good depth, but these guys are just not putting it together right now. And I think that's, what's costing the series. So I think their guys or stars are exhausted and then their depth's just not producing anything. While the Celtics, their stars are producing, and they have, their depth is producing, and everyone's just playing well, and you know they have good energy and good momentum, and that's what is you know propelling them to uh, lead the series right now, and possibly win you know next game in Boston, and you know I'm sure the crowd's gonna be rowdy, and especially if they win, like Boston's gonna be going crazy. So we'll see what happens with that, and then. On the other side, we'll kind of talk quick um, as we're running out of time a little bit. The uh, the Warriors and the Mavs, the Warriors, you know, quick 3-0 lead, and especially the, the Mavs in these games have held leads, especially that I believe it was a second game or third game. Uh, I think it was the third game. They held such a big lead, like over 20 points, and they ended up losing it. Um, and even last game, they held a big lead. Then it got cut to single digits. Cut down to single digits, yep. But then the Mavs ended up holding on. So, you know, I think the Warriors, I think you guys will agree the Warriors will uh, move on, right, advance to the, oh, the, yeah. the finals, right? Yeah. Um, but, you, I mean, you got to see, you got to like what you've seen from the Mavs. You know, they beat Utah, who's always, who's been a top seed the past couple of playoffs. They beat Utah, and then they – um who they be in the second? Oh, Memphis. Or no, not oh, Memphis. They beat the the Suns. The Suns. That's what it was. Yeah, the first, the number one seed. Um, the, that's right. The Warriors beat the uh, Grizzlies. So you beat the number one seed, and now you're here, and you've been playing well against the Warriors. So you just can't finish, and I think that's the biggest problem Dallas is having right now is they can't finish. Um, and I think. I think Dallas, what they need is an, is Luca needs a side piece that he can rely on, he can trust, and he just doesn't have that. They have they have good depth, they have good guys, but like a guy like Reggie Bullock, a former Nick, you know he has he'll have a good game, but then the next game when you need him to come up big, he doesn't, you know. Or uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, same kind of thing. Like he needs a guy he can really rely on who. Um, who will always consistently play well and be there for him. And they thought Kristaps might be that guy, but he wasn't. Um, he's also just injury riddled. So you need a guy that's also that stays healthy. So who do you think might be a guy that if they had right now might be a difference in the series from us to you? Well, just watching the way Luca plays and how he runs everything off of the pick and roll. He's relying on Dwight Powell to be his roller. And you look at, guards just in the past and how they've been so successful. How was James Harden so successful in Houston? Who was his, who was his center? Clint Capella. Clint Capella. And Clint Capella was a 15 point score, 15 uh, rebound guy. Harden was a almost 30 point score and a 12 assist guy. Perfect match there. Trey young. How is he so successful in Atlanta? He has two bigs. Now he has, Capella. He also has John Collins, a very young, talented big. Darius Garland has Jared Allen. Perfect guard 
and big man combo. There's going to be a big man who's going to be a free agent that probably won't get re-signed by his team because there's been contract issues and they don't want to give him the max deal. And I think it'd be a perfect match for Luka Doncic. He was actually drafted in the same draft class. He was taken first and Luka was taken fourth or fifth. And that would be DeAndre Ayton, the Suns big man. And now what, he hasn't really been utilized properly since Chris Paul has gotten there. There's been some spurts where it looks like, okay, this is a good match. But when Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton were there, Ayton was lighting it up. His second year, 18-point score, 11-rebound guy. That's really good for a 19, 20-year-old. He is, what, 24, 25 at most now? If that, I mean, he might if, be like... He, he might, I think he's probably only 23. 24. Yeah, because Luke is only 22, 23. Yeah. Um, he still has a lot left, and I, I think he hasn't, he, he hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential. He was taken number one just a couple of years ago. And if you give Luca a big, a true big, that can actually use like his full capacity and not be limited in terms of touches like he has been in this past postseason, there's no reason why he won't be a 23, 24-point scorer and a 12-rebound guy because he was close to that in his second year. So if Luka gets his big man, that's going to be a team to watch in the West. That would be uh, oh, my bad. That would be an interesting move uh, for sure. And, um, yeah, because I've seen DeAndre in with uh, – a lot of contract disputes and and that would be good for Luca. Like I said, they haven't really had a dominant big man. Um, because I don't know, I don't think Chris Hops is that dominant in Dallas at all. So I think really their last dominant yeah, big Luca's man. Luca's not a dominant big in general. Uh, Porzingis isn't a dominant big. Even no. when he was a, even when he was an all-star with the Nick, he, he just wanted to chuck up threes and that's it. Yeah. So really Dirk was their last, you know, dominant big man. So who knows that can work is like I said, he needs, he needs help. Uh, and you can see in this playoffs, like he's really led them far. Um, and he's gotten help here and there, but he needs that consistent guy that he can rely on. Um, but you know, listen, I'm not going to count out Dallas just yet. I'm not going to count out Miami just yet, but it seems like the Warriors will advance. Like, I think the Warriors is more of a definite than the Celtics, but I think the Celtics will advance and, you don't no. want to count them out, but I do. I think both teams are advancing next game. So I think the Warriors advance whenever. I think that's tonight. They're advancing. It's tonight, yeah. They're going to advance before the episode drops. And then tomorrow, Boston advances in Boston. Dude, All right, well, done. Finals are, start, finals are starting next week. And that's it. And I think that will make for the better finals. I think uh, Celtics, Warriors. I mean, you know, the Warriors now, they've, Steph Curry's really made them. Uh, a storied franchise with all those championships and success. And um, so I think that'd be a fun series, um, you know, and I, I would be okay with that. And I'd probably watch that a lot. Um, I think that would be very competitive, very intense. Um, I don't think those will be blowouts. Hopefully it'd be a good series. I mean, whatever the teams are, but I think if it's, like I said, Warriors, Celtics, um, you know, Golden State and uh, Boston, that, you know, both uh, places will be rocking, both arenas will be rocking, and, you know. It makes for the better series. There's it just, does. 
there's just more names on the court that you can enjoy. You know, right off the bat, you got, you know, Steph and Clay for Golden State. You got Brown and Tatum for Boston. And then look at everyone after who contributes. So I think it's going to make for the better series. But Draymond and the Boston crowd, that's going to be a sight to see. Oh, yeah. But listen, you got to give Dallas a lot of credit, not only for how far they've made it, but I got to give Jay Kidd some credit. He has come a long way from where he started his coaching career. And I think if they can get a guy like Aiton or get that other piece of the puzzle to, to pair with Luka, watch out for Dallas in the years to come. Oh, yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's why, like, you know, if you're a Dallas fan now or for the Mavericks themselves, like, you know, even if you lose a series to the Warriors 4-1 or you win another game, you lose 4-2, don't be upset. I mean, you beat a very good Utah team. You upset the number one overall seed Sun teams, who was really good this year, um, best team in the NBA. Um, Came back also against the Suns. Oh, yeah, and that's it too. So you showed a lot of fight. Luka is one of the best players, top three player in the league right now, right? I think if you look at, like, teams on the verge of elimination very different spots i think the mavericks this is a win this year this season yeah no way this season was a failure luca took an even step up the ranks of best nba players complete win now like their team might be a little different next year with jalen brunson hitting free agency but it's going to be interesting to see what they do and jason kidd emerges as a really good head coach that he could coach this Dallas team for a long time. The Heat, on the other hand, they've got a bunch of answers, uh, questions that need to be answered. Does Jimmy Butler need another star? Donovan Mitchell might be an option. Who knows? Well, it, it's, you know, a lot of hypotheticals coming up for uh, teams. And, you know, for right now, it's not because they're still playing, so we can't uh, hammer with them right now. But, it's definitely something to look into and something we'll keep following as time goes on. So that, that'll wrap it up for this uh, episode. A lot of puck, a lot of, you know, a little basketball, a lot of playoff talk, love playoff talk. Doesn't matter the sport playoffs are just such a good time. Um, so before we uh, get off, just a few quick shout outs, TJ, obviously, thank you for everything you do. Um, you know, you do so much and I, you know, you know how much you do and, we appreciate it. So shout out TJ for that. Um, yeah, so I know how much I do. I just, I always love hearing it. Oh yeah. Okay. So there we go. I'll add, we'll add another half for how much you like to do too. Uh, you know, but you make that social media page very, uh, such great content, you know, user-friendly and, uh, I, every time I go on, I love to see what you post. So keep it up. And then, um, shout out to Kevin from wild chat sports and wild chat sports in general, always great content there. Uh, we love being partners with you guys, uh, and Kevin and, uh, you know, look forward to see what the future holds and then can't forget about, uh, Liberty shirt co. They make all those guys on TV look good. They say they, they look good. They feel good. Um, you know, now that I'm going into the workforce soon, hopefully, you know, I'll have to get suited up nice, you know? So, Maybe I just have to wait just a little bit longer. We'll see. Um, so shout out to them. And then uh, shout out to OP Sports Betting. We can't wait. We are so uh, ecstatic and excited to see, you know, when they finally 
open things up and drop. And uh, we're so excited for that, but we really enjoy the partnership. We've the connection we formed with them over the past, you know, past month or so. Uh, so we're just excited for everything to get rolling with that. And uh, yeah, so shout out to everyone that we just gave shout outs to, and uh, we're excited to see where the future holds for everyone. So once again, thanks for listening and uh, keep listening. We're going to keep uh, cranking out this content. So yeah. So thanks again. Enjoy your night and uh, enjoy your Memorial day weekend. Can't forget about that. So enjoy the long weekend and we'll be back next week. The weather's getting nicer. Basketball season's heating up. Baseball's around the corner. You know what that means. It's time to win some cash. OP Sportsbook launches in late spring and will provide a fully encrypted and anonymous betting platform where users will bet with stable cryptocurrency. This means that they can place bets with crypto without having to worry about the volatility of crypto. Powered by the Solana blockchain and Web3 technology, OPSportsbook.com represents the future of sports betting. The repeat is proud to partner with them and always remember to bet responsibly. That's OPSportsbook.com.